Hey all, Teddy here. Welcome to another edition of Don't Be Look Up, the podcast where we engage with leading experts in e-commerce and explore how they use data to make important business decisions. Today's guest is Michael Lanzo, the head of BD at Form Brands, a brand holding company, and the co-founder of his new venture, Brandable, a profit intelligence platform for early stage brands that are looking to build on Shopify and Amazon. Uh, he is what I would call a by-the-book expert of building direct-to-consumer brands and marketplace strategy. Uh, and so it's only fitting that today we're going to talk to him uh, about a Wall Street word uh, that gets tossed around a lot in e-commerce, arbitrage. Uh, so, Mike, it, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, before you give your listeners your background, which I think is fascinating, and I got to where you are today, uh, can you just start by defining arbitrage. What does it mean? Uh, we're going to spend the next 20 minutes chatting about this. So uh, I think if you can give listeners uh, a definition of paid media arbitrage or arbitrage for e-commerce. Awesome. Love it. Um, thank you for the, the gaudy bio. I would tell your listeners I'm just a fucking guy really at the end of the day, but um, that sounds great. So I, I dig it. Um, yeah. Uh, Mike Malazzo, uh, my quick background, uh, reporter to start my career, uh, that didn't last too long, uh, spent a couple of years at LinkedIn, uh, and then spent the bulk of my career in various uh, e-commerce software companies. Um, about two years ago, I tried to kind of get in on the, the aggregator gold rush and CPG holding company boom and joined a company called Forum Brands to lead all of our off Amazon growth, um, which comprises a software product called Brandable that I am the co-founder of. Um, it's been a ton of fun. Um, obviously aggregators in the meta sense have struggled, but, but we've done pretty well. And, and I've learned a lot here, uh, just getting to work on 15 to 20 brands simultaneously with, with different marketplace dynamics. Um, but yeah, on the arbitrage front, um, I mean, in the most sort of traditional by the book definition, uh, arbitrage is just the difference in price of an asset in two different markets. Um, to your point, it's traditionally a financial term. Um, you know, it's a hedge fund guy thing. It's how AF made the bulk of his legitimate money, right? Before uh, he started stealing funds from FTX to fund Alameda, uh, right? His actual business was he basically just realized there was an arbitrage opportunity um, due to the excess demand for Bitcoin in Japan and Korea versus the rest of the world. And he traded against that. Um, so usually that's what, what sort of arbitrage means, right? Just a, a price difference in two different markets. In the context of retail and e-commerce, arbitrage is usually used two ways. Um, when people mention an arbitrage business, they are often talking about a reseller business in the Amazon space. Um, so they're often talking about somebody who will um, essentially buy goods when they go on sale from bulk wholesalers or Walmart um, and try to relist those goods on FBA or other marketplaces. Um, to kind of try to arbitrage price discrepancies between discounted wholesale pricing and evergreen price. Um, I think that definition is way too limiting. Um, I think if you look at the last decade of e-commerce holistically, um, you could argue not all that cynically that most of our space was an arbitrage uh, in a lot of ways, right? If you look at a lot of the top brands on FBA, um, they were white labeled Chinese goods. Um, some of them were even white labeled American goods. If you look at things like skincare and supplements, um, a lot of them were essentially just, you know, off the rack supplements that savvy entrepreneurs put a smart brand around, got really good um, 
at early Amazon PPC. And we're able to build businesses that essentially were just the result of nascent ad tech dynamics and the difference in price in two markets. Um, you could argue to some degree that this was a big part of, of D2C as well. Um, the, you know, sort of what people think of as the glory years of direct consumer businesses um, was mainly due to the fact that Facebook advertising was cheap. <laughs> um, and you had this sort of unbelievable opportunity um, where you could very quickly come to market when Shopify came into its own, uh, you know, with, with white label or slightly modified white label goods, be really, really good at Facebook and Instagram ads, uh, and build a life-changing business that could, could exit for life-changing money. That may not fit the technical definition of arbitrage, um, but it's, it's pretty close. Um, where things got a little bit more complex uh, is there is a subset of our ecosystem that got very good at what I would call performance marketing arbitrage. Um, and largely what this was, was a difference in price between what it costs to buy a click from Google or Facebook uh, and what Amazon might pay out a media entity based on commission. So this fascinating sort of boutique industry of affiliate publications emerged that essentially bought Google traffic for unbranded search terms or very cheap Facebook traffic for often less than, than 50 cents per click, years ago even less than a quarter per click, created best of guides or other product listings, signed up for Amazon Associates, uh, and had conversion rates that were so high that the affiliate commission that they got back from Amazon on an earnings per click basis was higher than the cost per click they would have to pay on Google and Facebook, and they could scale these things immensely. Um, I know several people that are multi-multi-millionaires several times over that built these kind of publications with very, very small teams. Um, and it's sort of this like really exciting story of the growth hacky D2C FBA era. Um, so if I'm understanding this correctly, this is like, you need to know how to buy ads, how to build a landing page and how to set up an Amazon Associates account to make a multi-millions of dollars. Where's the... So once upon a time, right, I think the very early, call this like 2009 to 2015, there were a ton of businesses that were essentially just that, like pure Amazon Associates arbitrage, wild, wild west. Um, this is like back when Athletic Greens was a direct response marketing site before they got the branding panache. Like this was really, really the wild, wild west days of e-commerce. Where it kind of went from there is most of the companies that won big in this model um, were companies that did um, really deep and really authentic product reviews, right? So, so bestreviews.com is an example. They were an arbitrage business through and through, um, but they also had a massive warehouse outside of Las Vegas where they tested products and really put products through the ringer and made sure that they kind of earned consumers' trust. Um, in truly only recommending the, the, the best products. They just scaled the business by, you know, buying efficient traffic against it. Um, and this was a, a business that existed for, you know, the better part of a decade um, and still exists to some degree today. Um, but in my newsletter, United States of Amazon, I wrote this week about essentially the big meta theme in our industry being life after arbitrage. Um, because all of this is a thousand times harder, right, than it used to be. Um, I think we, we look at the sort of meta stories in e-commerce right now. Facebook advertising is getting unsustainable. 
Timu is starting to push a lot of FBA sellers out by directly listing Chinese goods on its marketplace. Amazon and Facebook are starting to partner kind of on this buy with Prime uh, via Facebook ads uh, sort of conversion journey. And it feels like disparate stories, but it's really one meta theme uh, that I think the the era of uh, commerce being an arbitrage business um, is more or less over. And we don't exactly know what comes next. <laughs> um, However, that being said, I think there are some ways that more sophisticated operators can still kind of get in on this like last dying gasp of the performance marketing arbitrage era. Um, yeah, and, tell, me, yeah. Uh, tell me about that. I'm, I'm so eager. And I think uh, a lot of operators in general understand the macro themes, but uh, I think what's so valuable to your point is understanding how you could maybe still latch on to, uh, call it maybe a tactic of the past of, you know, 2015 yeah. Uh, today. Yeah. So he, here's what's kind of incredible about um, most of the performance marketing arbitrage and, and Amazon Associates business. Most of the publications that did sort of very well in this space, whether they were, you know, traditional media companies like, uh, you know, even even entities like Good Housekeeping built, you know, arbitrage businesses that were worth tens of millions of dollars. Um, most of these entities did this without having deep relationships with brands directly. Um, so most of the large uh, kind of affiliate media companies in the space, they have very deep relationships with Amazon. They have an Amazon Associates rep that they talk to, you know, once every couple of weeks. Um, they have relationships with Target and Walmart and Sephora if they're in beauty and a lot of the large retailers. And maybe they work with some of the brands directly. Um, but by and large, brands don't work a ton um, with a lot of uh, affiliate media and, and, and arbitrage entities directly. And it's a huge missed opportunity, right? Because if you think about the unit economics of a retailer versus a brand, a retailer can pay, I'll call it a, 3% commission rate, 5% commission rate, sometimes as high as 10 to 15% if it's a very high margin category like beauty. Um, but a brand, especially a high gross margin brand, can pay an affiliate entity, you know, sometimes north of 30, 40%. Uh, that sounds super high when you put it in like traditional CPA terms, um, but 30% is a 3X ROAS on Facebook, right? Like it's the same way of, of it's the same way of, of saying uh, the same concept with different semantics. Um, so basically, this is a long-winded way of saying brands, there, there are still a few arbitrage publications, some in commerce, some in finance, um, that do quite well. A lot of their brand traffic comes through third-party networks. Um, Savvy performance marketers from top D2C brands, I think, would be wise to start to engage more of these entities directly um, and start to think about um, ways that they can sort of incentivize these companies to still find profitable niches to buy traffic. Uh, it's not that different from what a lot of brands are trying to accomplish with social whitelisting. Um, mm -hmm. It's somewhat cut from the same cloth. Um, but there's probably only, you know, given the sort of trend in what uh, Google advertising is looking like on a CPC basis, what, what Facebook ads are looking like, there may only be a, another sort of few years where this is possible. Um, 
And I think the other part of this is folks are going to have to start getting a lot more creative. Um, and this kind of ties into some of what you guys are building at, at Disco and we've talked about. Um, and it's the idea that there's a lot more that I think non-competitive brands can do collaboratively to try to offset customer acquisition costs. Right. So like in a lot of ways, I think Disco is sort of like brands just dipping their toe into the idea, you know, with things like post-purchase upsells and stuff. Um, but there's no reason that brands can't more collaboratively try to go to publishing partners and other arbitrage type entities with joint offers. Um, I'll give you an example, right? Um, this is sort of the tail end of gift guide season, right? Um, one of the most common sort of themes of editorial content that folks buy paid traffic against on social are gift guides or best of Amazon finds. Mm -hmm. so, right, you know, 25 can't miss gifts this Christmas season, 36 best gifts for the sports dad in your life. These 10 items are 40% off on Amazon and have more than 20,000 five-star reviews. Like there are unlimited cuts on this, you know, type of, of editorial motif. Um, and a lot of times you can buy pretty cheap social traffic against these types of stories because you can buy a pretty general audience and convert pretty well if you feature great products and if you write great content, right? There isn't really yet a dedicated go-to-market motion for brands to start to, um, you know, almost collaboratively get these types of articles created, right? Imagine, though, four or five brands that have a fairly aggressive budget and high gross margins. We're starting to see less kind of successful economy of scale on Facebook going together to a large publisher and saying, hey, each of us will, you know, kick in a 20, 25% commission rate, whether it's to a D2C site or on top of what Amazon will pay, um, if we can kind of collaborate on this sort of joint gift guide being created. Um, and it's, it's different than how a lot of brands think about sponsored content. Like for this to work, you want to give the publishing partner as much editorial autonomy as possible to sort of pick the right products that they believe in, write about the content that they, the way that they want to write about it. Um, but if you're the only entity among 10 brands in a gift guide that's willing to pay a large incremental commission, uh, it's pretty hard for an arbitrage strategy to work because most of the other um, products that will be listed in this in this gift guide are only paying a few percent and, and a publisher can't successfully buy paid traffic. But if the top five products are all kind of kicking in an incentive, um, there's a chance that a publisher can very, very profitably buy traffic against it. They make money. It performs a lot better than, you know, Facebook ad creative or even sort of social whitelist editorial style creative. Um, and there's a chance for, you know, a ton of entities to, to sort of cooperate on, on a deal. Um, so if I'm, if I'm reading back what you're saying, um, two sort of unlocks that make paid media arbitrage potentially really go gangbusters for brands yeah. today are one, their ability to collaborate and coordinate on their approach with, yep. so say, an arbitrage entity. And two, the, if I'm thinking about it correctly, but their collective buying power, yep. um, their ability to just be a sum of greater than one to then acquire more new traffic. Am I thinking exactly. about this the right way? 
Exactly. Um, I do think it's also important that, you know, brands uh, sort of understand, you know, what the editorial will look like, right? There's Caraway and Hexclad are not necessarily going to want to collaborate on a best nonstick pans or, or, you know, best chemical free pans article where um, the entity being in the number one slot versus the number two slot, you know, makes a world of difference. Um, and honestly, in those cases, right, you want the publisher to make an organic editorial decision. However, if it's a more thematic article about the sort of efficacy of chemical-free cooking generally, and then the framing is not necessarily one where one product is, is explicitly presented as better than the other, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for collaboration. Yeah, um, this is fascinating, Mike. I think um, you've done such a good job, like, detailing the approach and actually defining it. I want to take a step back and... Uh, for our operators listening, like yep. who is the stakeholder, right? At the brand doing this, is it an affiliate manager? Let's just say it's a, a mid-sized high growth brand that yep. already has an affiliate team. Um, can you give us a sense of how this could be operationalized today? Yeah, I think it should be whoever is thinking about MER holistically, quite honestly, right? Because um, this is a sort of channel agnostic problem. Um, and one of the things that I think I, you know, both when I was on the software side and I'm now sort of operating a, a portfolio of brands have done reasonably well, is challenge some of the arbitrary lines that are drawn between affiliate and search and social. At the end of the day, like most brands have an MER goal, or if they're working on Amazon, they have a Tacos goal, which is just basically um, your amount of ad spend versus your overall sales. It's sort of the Amazon version of marketing efficiency ratio. Um, so I would say whoever owns that. So VP of performance, VP of growth, VP of marketing. Now they may assign the sort of tactics to an affiliate person or a social person. But in terms of like, if someone's thinking about allocating budget for a test, um, I think it should be someone fairly senior. Um, especially since like the idea of bringing brands together to sort of co-invest uh, in editorial arbitrage is pretty new. Like I, I don't see this happening a ton in the space. Um, I've tried to kind of be a champion of this model within the CPG roll-up space um, with with limited success. Um, we've sort of done this indirectly where um, there are almost like a subset of publications that we work with that have basically built um, almost like ded dedicated editorial drum beats around covering roll-up led brands. Um, because they know, like I said, that all of us are offering a, you know, generous incremental commission on top of what Amazon pays. The unit economics there are very strong and they can sort of buy traffic against it. Um, where I think it gets tricky is like, I consider myself someone who's pretty deep in this game. Uh, and it's still very hard for me to sometimes realize which products will do well in this model and which won't. Which won't. Um, like in general, right, higher AOV, high conversion rate products leave you more room to, to succeed. Um, but we have a partner that buys a ton of paid social traffic against some of our products who moved um, tens of thousands of dollars of a car trash can we sell at $25 uh, over <laughs> I don't really know how that happens. What I do know, though is that when that partner buys social traffic, um, 
they essentially have sort of built this co-op model manually where they know they sort of have guilds or cohorts of like-minded brands that they can bring together and feature in these articles um, so that they can um, essentially buy uh, social, in this case, social traffic um, reasonably cost-effectively. If I'm playing back uh, sort of this uh, from your point of view on, Brands collaborating uh, to to drive uh, to drive paid media arbitrage and get this going and get to the state. Um, it almost seems like brands that are doing co merchandising or brand partnerships today right. are are already the answers are already there for them. Yeah, like if your food heavily partnered with Andy Swimwear, then a great co merchandising. Is that like the starting point for the yeah. partnering? A thousand percent, right? Exactly. And to me, it all kind of starts with brands that are already doing post-purchase upsells on each other's site, if that's the way they're going. Um, there are some loyalty providers out there like Toki, where you can basically take loyalty points on one Shopify site and use them on another. Um, I think Toki is particularly strong in the parenting realm. Like I think they have Lalo and Rockets of Awesome and a number of other basically baby brands who are saying, hey, loyalty points on our site are also good on these sort of eight to 10 partners. That cohort of brands. Um, so first of all, as a quick aside, like parenting media has become fascinating to me as a dad of a 15 month old. Um, I think it's probably the weakest part of lifestyle media right now. Um, like name one great publication for dads right now. Um, Fatherly was interesting years ago, but essentially has become a, a little bit of a content mill under its new ownership. Um, there really isn't, a, in my opinion, a great um, sort of lifestyle publication for, for dads um, and even, even parenting bro broadly. Parenting magazine is, is pretty good. You know, there are obviously a ton of great Instagram influencers, but um, I think this is a space that will grow a lot. Um, in the next sort of few years, and we'll probably have a number of, of pretty prominent commerce media entities form up. Um, as this happens, if that like guild of brands that is already sharing loyalty points, like, like I said, you know, Lalo and Rockets of Awesome, and I think we may be adding a couple of our parenting brands into the mix. Um, if they are able to go to some of these new sort of gender agnostic or, or dad focused media brands that come out, um, with sort of editorial content ideas, like I said, for gift guides or joint deals they're running. Um, it's just a natural extension of the strategies that they're laying out anyway. But it's another way to sort of nip at the heels of this existential problem that CAC has become unsustainable. Um, there's one article I would encourage people to read that I think is really, really interesting in the information. It came out, I think, in 2018. It's called The End of Growth. Um, by Jessica Lesson, who is the editor-in-chief of the information. Uh, and she basically predicted in 2018 that large factions of the consumer tech and e-commerce industry would start to implode because of the fundamental problem that growth is just getting a little too expensive. Um, now, she was wrong on timing, and she was wrong largely because COVID obviously upended the unit economics of everything. Uh, but it's interesting to read her article a few years later and start to see some of these trends take shape. Um, and I think I wrote about the same thing in my original. The end of growth, after arbitrage, it's all one theme. Um, but luckily, I think for savvy performance marketers that are willing to invest in this co-op model, um, there are still some really sort of interesting pockets um, 
of performance marketing uh, arm that, that, that can be found. So taking advantage of a price difference uh, is what gave birth to, you know, direct to consumer in many ways. Um, yep. Which I, I love that notion. Um, where, where do we go next with this? Um, it sounds like there's really just a pocket of uh, arbitrage opportunity yeah. in the space. Uh, what is the future of um, exposing arbitrage? Uh, is it this model that you just spoke about working with affiliate publishers um, or are there opportunities for new channels to effectively have arbitrage moments just because yeah, they are Yeah, I think, new and, and again, this is using different. sort of the notion of arbitrage pretty loosely. Um, I think one announcement that has been underweighted in our space in its significance is um, meta enabling the buy with prime button in Facebook advertising. Um, like Marketplace Pulse covered this three weeks ago. A few people tweeted about it, but it hasn't been treated as this sort of like existential watershed moment. Um, and I think it is, right? Obviously, a few things are happening here, right? I think Facebook and Amazon are teaming up to take on TikToks. So there's a little bit of US-China geopolitics, which I always love, given that my newsletter is called United States of Amazon. But there's also another theme here, which is essentially that Facebook, I think, is sort of tacitly admitting that it is really, really hard to be profitable for goods that are under a certain price point, um, which coincidentally is the price point that tends to do well on Amazon. Um, at the same time, Amazon PPC is getting wildly more expensive, right? We've seen this. Amazon's jamming more and more ads into search results. They took away the on-site associates program, which was an organic editorial search experience to jam more ads in. Uh, Amazon is giving third-party brands 10% back for any off-site traffic they refer to Amazon via the brand referral bonus. So this can be done uh, via Facebook or via affiliate partners and is a big part of the arbitrage equation. Um, but what I, the, the broader meta point I'm making in bringing this up is most high growth D2C brands at this point, unless they sell at a very high price point, have an Amazon operation. That Amazon operation is generally more profitable, even after Amazon's, you know, crazy, essentially 50% take rate, because, you know, if you have branded search on Amazon, you have a bunch of organic traffic. What I haven't seen happen quite enough at sort of call it the CMO head of growth level is a really sort of cohesive framework for when to send performance marketing traffic in any form to direct consumer website versus when to send it to Amazon, right? This is an age old debate. You send the traffic to your Shopify site, you own the customer and this, that, and the other thing. But there's this really interesting moment where Amazon is giving D2C brands 10% back in brand referral bonus. Like that isn't going to exist forever. Um, and basically saying, please, please start to send traffic to our website. The unit economics there are better. Um, so what I think you'll start to see savvy marketers start to do is run more top of funnel um, kind of campaigns to direct consumer site and start to move some of the more mid funnel and direct response onto Amazon while there is this sort of temporary arbitrage opportunity where Amazon yeah. unit economics are better and you're getting 10% back. Um, do affiliate is favors. Do you think that favors different categories too? Like I think of the economics of a CPG brand, right? With like 10% meeting the world <laughs> uh, yeah. versus say 
um, women's fashion, do you think that there's like a categorical sway to sort of Amazon's yep. current offer? Um, so so there isn't there. Yes, yeah, so there isn't there isn't just a little bit of very quick sort of background on Amazon Associates. When they pay out publishers, um, all of those commission rates are by category. So Amazon pays out a different amount for pets versus electronics versus beauty versus fashion. Certain publishers have bespoke rates. There are economies of scale. It's it's a thing. The brand referral bonus right now is is, is essentially up to ten percent across the board. Um, and where it gets really really interesting is like you know as I talk about this co op affiliate model and other things like if you're willing to send the traffic to Amazon, you can pay a publisher thirty percent of sale. Let's say you get ten percent effectively back from Amazon, so you're paying a net twenty percent. That's a five x ROAS campaign. Um, again, if you think about brands that sell on Amazon, if you are, I think about a lot of the buzzier D2C brands, like a lot of them sell pretty small and light products. Um, you know, Amazon essentially, if you think about FBA fees and shipping, um, will all in probably take between 40 and 50% of that. But if you're then only paying 20% from the contribution margin down there, you're looking at potential uh, advertising campaigns on Amazon that can clear a 30% EBITDA. Or thirty percent, like profitable ROAS, if you will. Um, so there is this really interesting window of opportunity. Um, and again, I think affiliates a little bit of an interesting Trojan horse for brands to think about this. Where conventionally the model was, you know, send all of the performance marketing traffic to your direct consumer site because you want to own those customers, and I get that. Um, but Amazon's sort of having a moment where they are you know, really, really trying to lean into getting companies that have high branded search volume and have built great Shopify brands on the platform. I think this is a moment, especially with the buy with prime integration for savvy marketers to think about um, trying to kind of find a little arb and sending a little bit more traffic to Amazon, starting with the affiliate channel um, and potentially in this sort of co-op scaled affiliate model, um, but even maybe moving into, into some Facebook campaigns because this, this sort of won't, won't last forever. This is fascinating. Uh, Mike, thanks, thanks for giving us such a, uh, I think, cohesive uh, definition of arbitrage, one, but uh, two, uh, letting insight into, I think, where this can go today. Uh, if there's one thing I've learned from uh, a somewhat limited uh, set of experience I have in e-commerce, there's always a way. Uh, creativity is sort of the unbounded uh, <laughs> lever for uh, more opportunity in, in, any, in any channel, really. Um, I think before we, we wrap up, um, we like to, uh, again, think about the operators and sort of how they yep. can make use of this. Uh, what, what would you uh, tell an operator the North Star KPI for uh, paid media arbitrage should be, um, what should they be managing up to their, their CEO in, you know, say launching a pursuit where they co-op a bunch of brands uh, to go after yep. an affiliate publisher campaign? Yep. So uh, three thoughts here. To, to me, it's, it's essentially basically MER, right? I think of this as the, like the absolute most mid funnel tactic you could look at. Because yes, you're doing sort of growth hacky stuff and working with a partner that buys paid media. But if you work with the right partner, um, you know, they're not just going to throw your products on a landing page. It's going to be a content heavy article that talks about, you know, some of the why your products are great, probably features a lot of your better reviews, 
So it, it moves someone along the funnel in the same way that mid-funnel traffic would. Um, and I would argue if this is more profitable than your next best sort of Facebook campaign or your next best Instagram campaign, um, that's what you should be kind of looking at. Like, does this back into a higher MER than um, sort of my median social campaign is one very tactical way to look at it. A um, couple of other sort of like tactical notes. Um, the one is, you know, I'd be a fool if I didn't promote my own software here. Right? But the, the kind of whole point I talked about in trying to understand where the unit economics are better on Amazon versus better on Shopify, uh, that's what we do on Brandable. Uh, we've built, you know, our Amazon capabilities first. So we're a sort of profit intelligence and unit economic platform for Amazon first. But by Q1 of next year, um, we really hope to be the software that helps operators make that sort of like next best profitability decision across channels. Um, other software I would look into in this space if you're interested, um, and this is one I have no affiliation with, but I think the founder is, is just one of the most brilliant guys in the space. Uh, it's a company called Bullwhip. Um, they are still in stealth. Their homepage just says any software or any good software is indistinguishable from magic, like that classic Silicon Valley quote. Um, but he is someone who spent a, the founder of this business built a um, sort of arbitrage business within Hearst that does nine figures in revenue now. Um, his kind of product that he's public with in the market is a publisher side software platform. Um, but part of his vision is to enable brands to do some of this sort of co-op affiliate that I talked about. So, so bullwhip.io, um, honestly, I think one of the most interesting, uh, entities in the game. Um, and then the last thing I would say is like, it's fun to geek out on this ARB stuff, but I do really be believe what I wrote in my column that like the arbitrage era is ending. And what I'm excited about, as it kind of does, is that like the more the performance marketing and growth hacking and all this stuff becomes commoditized, the more that the only advantage in our space is essentially crafting great products and sort of telling great stories. So I actually think like, yeah, there's a couple more years where we can have a lot of fun arbing this stuff. But like 2025, 2026 rolls around and it's going to look, I think, a lot more like the Mad Men era where the products that stand out are actually just the best fucking products from a formulation perspective and the most sort of inspiring brands. Um, so I've been like thinking about what that means for my own career, right? Like I'm a growth hacky arbitrage kind of guy and I'm thinking about my own skill set, and I'm thinking I got to become more of a creative, right? Like, so I think that's the, the other sort of theme, but long winded answer to your question. I would say tactically though, if you're going to get more into this kind of game, um, so long as the MER, if you're, if you're an Amazon brand, the tacos backs into um, something a little bit more profitable than than social. I think that this co-op affiliate game has a lot of legs. Um, more than happy to talk through anyone that wants to do this. I, I Like I said, in addition to software, I manage a portfolio of 18 to 20 brands. I potentially am looking for partners to do this with. Um, so if this piques anyone in, anyone's interest, uh, I know I ramble through a lot in 40 minutes. Uh, I am more than happy to to kind of cut it up one-on-one -on -one with, with anyone who, whose ears perk up at this podcast. Appreciate your insight, Mike. And as you as you mentioned, uh, for our, our listeners, Mike uh, also uh, started a newsletter called the United States of Amazon, uh, which I am tuned into and appreciate uh, landing in my inbox on a weekly basis. I believe. Uh, yeah, we're doing weekly for now. I've got some energy kind of at the end of the year here. It'll probably move to bi-weekly next year. Um, and yeah, just 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 for the listeners here, not sort of a, a tactical newsletter. It's about sort of the uh, 
um, sort of downstream political and societal impact of, of Amazon's kind of stranglehold on America. Um, so it's a little bit more of a sort of a tech policy publication to try to use both sides of the brain, right? I spend 36 hours a week kind of thinking about how to grow an e-commerce brand and a software. I try to spend four hours a week thinking about what the hell this all means as a sort of citizen of this country. Um, so yeah, that's the theme of the newsletter. And, uh, you know, for those that are intrigued, I'd love to have you subscribe. Always appreciate the, uh, 10,000 foot view, Mike. Uh, I think it's important when we can get, uh, so into our day to day. So appreciate your time today. Uh, Mike Malazzo from, uh, form brands and brandable and, uh, the creator of the United States of Amazon. Good stuff, man. On to the week.